Welcome back to the 2929 podcast. This is another edition of Tales from the Mountain. I have the one and only Chuck Wade with me today. You're going to hear an incredible story from Chuck and about Chuck. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, we connected the first time on Summit Saturday. I was walking up and down hills in Massachusetts and Maine in the spring and early summer this year, really to bring the community together in a time when there was a lot of confusion, there was a lot of uncertainty, and it was really a way to ground us. And I got to know you across the other side of the screen, so I'm happy to continue that conversation today. But really, in a nutshell, you're an ultra-athlete, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a businessman. Let's dig into those a little further because you weren't always an ultra athlete. So why don't we start there? Why don't we talk about the first moment or the first time you heard about 29 or 29 and what you thought in that moment? I was following Jesse and I had come across the event because I think the first one they did was in 2017 was in Vermont. And I remember seeing that. And my wife even saying that she looked at getting it for a, as a Christmas present or something for me because she knew how interested I was in that. And so that was I, I knew about it. It was on my radar. I'd read a little about it. And then they had released or they were starting the Utah event. And so this was, I think, April of 2018. We actually were in we were in Toronto on Easter break and I saw it and really I, I couldn't go to sleep that night. Like I was just kept thinking about it. And it's like three in the morning, everyone's asleep. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Usually that's a pretty good indicator that you're feeling a pull or you're feeling a connection from something. I, I signed up for it soon after that and, and went from there. What was it about 29 or 29 in particular? Because from what I can gather, and you can add some more context to this or some more clarity to this, is you were looking for something at that time. And in that moment, there's plenty of other events. There's plenty of other experiences. What was it specifically about 29029 that drew you in with such force? It looked really cool. And it looked like nothing I had ever done and had ever thought of or considered doing. And I was at a place in life too, where you're dealing with depression, anxiety, and things like that. And maybe you don't, didn't love who I was as a person and was looking for something big to do or looking for something to get out of being comfortable. And also that would force me to train for something, to have a goal and to work towards it. So I felt that pull, but it also just seemed like something. It almost seemed like something so far out of reach that I wanted to try and see if I could do it. Let's talk about that depression and anxiety and and perhaps those those moments of uncertainty around yourself because I've been through it. A lot of folks that that I get to talk to have been through it on different degrees and in different levels. What was it in that moment about that? Was it you were stuck in this cycle of just doing the same thing over and over again? Was there anything else there that maybe you want to share or you don't want to share, but it'd be interesting because some people may be able to resonate with that and think about moments in time where they've felt the way that you did. I think in a lot of cases, as we go through life, there are moments where 
you lose your own personal identity. And when you're a parent, when you're holding down a, a job and you're doing all these things, oftentimes you are, are going and doing and you lose track of doing things that bring you fulfillment on a personal level. Not to say that family and being a father and being a husband, those things do bring immense amounts of fulfillment, but there's nothing that you're doing that's so I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me. Like this is something that I can go do for the sole purpose of bettering myself or finding a new version of myself. And so I think a lot of us go through moments or periods of that. And that's where I was. It was just, I didn't have a passion for anything I wanted to do. I wasn't doing anything along those lines. And the other buckets of my life were suffering because of that too. Yeah. You, you think I'm so dedicated to being a good father, to being a good husband, to being good at running our business. But if I don't have something I'm chasing or have something I'm doing or have a personal identity I'm not as optimal in all those other facets of my life that I can be. And so that's really what it was. And I think that was the pull was, oh, I can, this just seems really cool. And it seems like something I would like to do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that because I think that's important. It's important. It's an important note is that this isn't, it is somewhat of a selfish pursuit, like all endurance sports or ultra distance, because there's so much time and energy that needs to go into that. So it's hard for sometimes for people to acknowledge the fact that being selfish actually adds to the rest of your life. You can become a better husband, a better father, a better business man because you are pursuing goals. So thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah. Now you press send on the, or you, pr you press purchase, you're signed up. You get the first email, congratulations, Chuck, you're going to Utah. What was that like, the, re the, rec the recognition and the realization that, yep, okay, my name's on the list, I've set this goal. What did that mean for that transformative experience that you were about to take on? What were those changes you needed to make in those moments to allow you to start pursuing that goal of 29,000, 29 feet? I didn't know at the time. I was excited, but I didn't know. And for me, actually, Travis, a lot of the light bulb moments came after the event. And I look back now, this was, this was years ago or a couple of years ago. I look back now and think, man, I knew nothing about that. But it was a great way to get started and a great way to get introduced to this world that I had no idea existed. And it's intimidating. The thought of running an ultra marathon or anything like that, it's intimidating. You have no, no idea. And people will just, we disqualify ourselves so much. I'm not a runner and I'm not this and I'm not this. That's bull because we think that about ourselves. And I thought all of those things about myself. So a lot of those realizations came afterwards, but 29029 was a great, it was like a soft entry into this world because it's not a race. You're not trying to go as fast as you can. It was completely unknown to me. And it was like, I was just, I remember being so excited and the anticipation I felt only grew until the night of the event. And in, it's almost when you're in, when you're younger and you're going, you're in college, or you're going up to a party or you're going to do something. There's that anticipation of what's going to happen. You don't really know. and. 
I don't go out and, and go to parties and do that anymore. But doing an event like this, there's that anticipation of entering the unknown and you don't know what you're getting on the other side. And I think that's what makes it so fun and enjoyable. Yeah. I want to talk about what that was like when you turn up at Utah, but I want to make sure we put it all in a bow around sign up, go through the training, go through that experience and that journey of getting prepared physically and mentally. You mentioned that you didn't necessarily know what you were in for and a lot of the realizations came for you after, but I'm sure there was moments between April and August where you're like, man, can I even do this? Or you're having to change things in your life where you're making prior prioritizing your training rather than your work or your family. What were some of those experiences like in those three to four months leading up into the Utah experience? You get, you have to get comfortable being by yourself and being alone. And that was a big reality was there is an accountability to this and you have to do the work yourself. And that was, there were a lot of moments of, I don't know if fear is the word, but just uncertainty of not knowing what was coming, but also I am someone who tends to have faith in a plan and a program. If somebody else is coming in and saying, hey, here's a program, here's a training program to do, follow this and you'll be good. And I think the training platform, and I remember Jesse saying, look, I'll get you in shape, just sign up. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'll sign up and I'll put my faith in the platform and the coaches and we'll go from there. And then you go from there. You arrive at Snow Basin. You've got this anticipation of this party, the best party you've ever been to. What was that like when you get there? What was your experience as soon as you you look up and you see the mountain ahead of you? You see the flags. You see the aid station set up. You're around the energy and the, the, uh, the excitement from the other participants. Tell me about what that was like. Yeah, you walk in and you see the first part of that climb and the thought is, holy shit, that's really steep. But I just remember being introduced to the community from the first, literally from walking up to the tent to sign in. And I went by myself. I didn't really know. I knew some people that were doing it who'd been in the BYLR course, but I didn't know anybody. I was there by myself. And I just remember how welcoming everyone was. And it was, ah, man, I'm getting goosebumps and I can feel my, like, arms starting to shake talking about it. Like it was just, it was so welcoming and you immediately feel like you're among family. Was that a feeling you carried throughout the entire weekend? It only grew. And yes, because also it's just, you meet people so quickly. And again, I've heard everyone else who's been on this podcast say the same thing. And it's, you're doing it with this group of people. It doesn't matter that you don't know them. It's just this sense of, hey, we're all in this together and we're going to lift each other up and everyone is open. And I tend to maybe come off as being a little more extroverted sometimes, but the reality is I'm an introvert and someone who I don't have a lot of confidence in myself often, or you think are Am I someone that people want to meet or people want to know or people want to spend time with? I don't have a ton of that faith all the time in myself. So it sometimes takes a minute to warm up and you go in there and that just falls away because it helps that your name is on your bib. 
But at the same time, I remember meeting like Matt Burrell. I, I never met him, but he knew who I what we'd corresponded yeah. and he knew who I was. And Mark Hodelik, the same thing, Amanda, who had just started working for Jesse in the group at the time and Kevin Walker, like it is. It's just everyone's like, oh, hey, Chuck, I remember this email we had. or And so it only grows. And it was just the event's really hard. It's brutal. But it's made better because you're all on the same team. And there's just yeah. this overwhelming sense of I, I hate using the word community because everyone else uses it. It's like we all default to that word, but that's what it is. It's like a it's like an instant family. Yeah. Yeah, I like family. I think community is a softer, more welcomed introduction to what we have created. But once you're in it, that it is more like a family environment. You can, you and I can pick up a conversation six months later because we know we have that connected bond. You can pick up the phone and talk to Matt and have the same thing. And that doesn't happen at other events and other experiences. So this is something really special. I want you to keep growing those goosebump moments and those tingly feelings on your arms. I want you to put yourself on the start line, 6 a.m. Jesse's giving his welcome speech, his, his pump up speech. You've got your headlamp on, you're looking up the mountain, you're saying, holy shit, that's steep. You look around, everyone else is thinking the same thing. What is that like for you in that moment? I still have the video of Jesse's speech and I will listen to that when I'm out running or training sometimes. It's almost like you feel like that, like when it starts and you like get sucked into a vortex and all of a sudden it's just this, it's just your headlamp and the step in front of you. And it's the sound goes away. Everyone just starts hiking. The gun goes off or whatever the horn and, and everyone just starts walking and it's, you just zero in on the next step. And that first hike is, you don't know. So you don't know what you're going into. It's like, all right, let me figure this out and see what this is like so I can understand the kind of pace I need to move at. But I just remember it was almost like time stopping and slowing. And that's a, that was an uncomfortable feeling for a while because in our normal lives, you don't get that feeling. But it's almost like that whole weekend was like that where time stopped and you're so present. I think it's a flow state is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, let's put a couple of concepts together here. You talked about confidence. You talked about trusting in the plan and in the program. You talked about this flow state and being present to where you're at. Tell me about what that was like for you. Did you come into this moment thinking, all I have to do is just put one step in front of the other and I'm going to get there? Or were you still doubting yourself whether you are able to accomplish this when you're standing on that start line and even one, two, three, four hikes in, what are those emotions and feelings you're having? Because no one stays positive all the time. No one stays negative all the time. It changes. So tell me what that was like for yeah. you. How constant was that change? So, oh man, there were a lot of changes and it was constant. So I remember the first hike took 50 minutes and getting up there and thinking, okay, that wasn't that bad. I'm feeling good. Second hike felt even better thinking, wow, like I am, I'm moving and I'm feeling really good. I'm in a good zone. Now that was before the sun was over the trees. So it wasn't too hot yet. And then it starts to slow down a little bit. The sun comes out. And so I remember I went in just with the expectation of getting the 13 climbs and, and doing, it. I went in with the expectation of that's what's going to happen. 
But then you get going for a while. And all of a sudden, the turning point for me, or the, there's a moment that sticks out. It was late in the day. I missed lunch. Terrible move. Terrible. I didn't understand the nutrition aspect of it at that point in time. I, had, I didn't understand that well. And I didn't do a very good job. And I missed lunch. So all of a sudden, like my body is, is just, I just felt awful. And it's like that feeling of I'd gotten away from people. So I'd been alone for a while. And I think it was between maybe the first and second aid stations. I just sitting on a rock by myself in the middle of the mountain sobbing and calling my wife and asking her to put the kids on the phone so I could break up the monotony. And that was the lowest point. And at that point, it was the feeling of, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. This is physically probably the hardest thing I've ever experienced. And I can't do this anymore. And then you get off the rock and you keep moving and you latch on with a group of people and you move through it. For me, I think about that moment all the time. It's a big metaphor for different parts of our lives. Things get hard. You don't want to do it. You don't think you can do it. And that's when you just have to keep focusing on the next step and the next step. And you just keep moving through it. And the weather changes eventually. It always does. I'm in it with you. I'm there. I'm sitting on the rock next to you when you describe that. And I want to know, what was the shift? Was it your wife telling you to put your boots back on and get out there? Was it the kids giving you a little bit of energy knowing that, you wanted to make them proud. What was it? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'd love no. to hear from you. What was that for you? To All get of you those. moving again. Yeah. All of those things. For me, my kids' voices will always be able to help me forward. And yeah, that that was and just so in that hike, I'll tell you, there's a I'd been hiking for a while, met up with another guy, I can't remember his name. And a while after that, we'd been hiking. And Jesse comes walking up behind us. I think this was after the last aid station that is actually on the mountain. And we didn't know each other. He knew me from taking his course, but he was somebody I'd looked up to. And so we hiked for a little while and I had to stop. I had to slow down. And he was with a group of friends. I think it was friends from high school or something. It was people he knew really well. And I'd, we'd hiked for a short amount of time. And I just said, I, I'm going to stop and catch my breath and you guys can keep going. And they all did, but he stayed back. And he just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hike with Chuck for a while. He didn't have to. I, I never would have thought any less of him had he chosen to keep going. Those are his friends that he was with. But he chose to stay. And he knew I was really struggling. He knew. And then we hiked together. And it was just him and I for a while. And that really helped shift my mental thought and how I was viewing the event. Because I also knew at that point, like it was going to be really difficult for me to actually get to 29,000 feet. And so in my mind, I would have looked at that as, well, I'm going to fail at this. And what that shifted to is I'm having a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying being here and I want to keep doing that. And so I'm going to keep doing that, even though this hurts. That's okay. I'm okay. I'm having such a good time in this moment. I want to keep doing that. 
So cool. And then obviously, tactically, you fuel up a little bit, you start to get some positivity, you start to get some momentum, you have some more fun, your mind uh, set shifts. Tell me about what it was like then you get closer to the end. What are those feelings that you're having? Yeah, it was it was a weird feeling of I can realize I didn't end up getting I think I got to finish 10 climbs and realizing for me it was realizing I'm not going to on the second day, but I can keep going. And and there was a moment I finished my ninth climb and there was a couple hours left in the day. And there was a group of us that said, Hey, let's go up together. Let's take our time on this hike and let's just really enjoy it. And we did, and it took two hours. It took a long time and we were all struggling. We were all really messed up, but we were just there in the moment with each other. And those two hours, I'll never forget them. I I just, and again, it was so much fun and enjoying being in the moment and being present, which we have our phones, we have our lives. I'm, I'm not present nearly as much during the normal day as I want to be or should be or need to be. But in those moments, what that was for me was that was a light bulb moment of the feelings we can get when we do something like this, when we get out in nature, when we do something that's really uncomfortable and how much fun it can be to be in absolute agony. We don't think of that too. And it's, it sounds masochistic, but it's not. It's because it's, you almost have to go to that place to get the reward. Mm -hmm. What it did for me too, was it redefined how I look at failing. For me, I didn't get to 29,000 feet. So technically I failed at achieving my original goal and objective. I went in and that was my anticipated outcome. That was what I viewed as my return on the investment. And what I anticipated was totally different than what I walked away from. And it was, it's okay to come up short of a really big goal. Mm -hmm. Are you taking something else out of it? And what else are you taking out of it? And the lessons and the stories and the people you meet and the experiences that you have. I left that with the understanding that it's okay to fail. And I never looked at failure like that before in my life. It's such an interesting concept. And to me, you seem like a guy who has it all together. You've got the family, you've got the business, you've got things may or may not come easy to you, but you've had successes along the way. What was that like for you to to reframe failure? And what was that lesson that you've been able to then take back to your regular life? First of all, yeah, I have ways to go to getting it all together. But thank you. I appreciate that. What I took away from that was the power that we have to impact others, which I haven't talked about yet, but that was not what I anticipated walking away from this event with. But it is something I have thought of every day since leaving the mountain. And there was a guy named Jeremy who was a volunteer that anybody who was in the Utah class of 2018 knows Jeremy was this guy with long hair who was a volunteer at aid stations and would come out yelling your name and slapping you on the back. And in the the first time I see this guy, I remember thinking, who the hell is this guy? What is he on? And by the end of the event, looking forward to seeing him coming out of an aid station, 
And again, like I can feel like the goosebumps thinking about this, thinking that was such a small thing he did to just be there and to support other people. And it, but it left such a profound impact on me in that we don't have to do these grand things for other people. The smallest actions can make someone else's day, someone else's experience better. And what we don't know is the ripple effect that one of those small actions can have years into the future with someone we may never ever see or interact with again in our lives. And so that was what I did not know I would get out of the event that I have taken with me every single day. That's amazing. I've never heard anyone describe it like that. So you articulated that beautifully. I want to know a little bit more about how that's directly impacted your family life. I think how it has impacted me is that my wife and I are very experience focused with how we have chosen to live our lives and as parents, and we want our kids to have experiences. And it's not always about having the coolest toys or about having those. It's about having experiences. And for both of us, one of our focuses has been we don't miss events that the kids have. We take time. I take time off of work all the time to go on a trip, to have an experience, to do these things. And that was, and what it has translated to also what this event led is. I started signing up for ultra marathons. My wife started signing up for them too. She was doing it before I was, but now it's become something that we can share together and do. A week before I was going to run a hundred mile race last year, my wife who had not trained for it said, oh, okay, I'll do it too. And signed up to do it with me. Who does that? If you're not in that mindset or, or thinking about yeah. that, I think in every facet of my life, there has been a translation from the event that I can look back and say, yeah, that's where that impacted this. So it's impacted my family. It's impacted every aspect of my life to the point where I have the logo. It's the only tattoo I have. And I wear that proudly. I love the tattoo. I, I have a funny story. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. I was standing at the top of the mountain in Vermont and I was uh, being interviewed by a gentleman uh, who wrote an article for a trail runner magazine. Okay. And he said, one day you might have people tattoo the logo on their body. And I <laughs> laughed it off. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> and then lo and behold, you and I are having a conversation in summit Saturday and you pull out the tattoo and I was completely blown away because very rarely do we have experiences where it has such an impact on you that you wanted to put that mark and that logo on your skin as a recognition of how impactful this has been and how transformative this has been for you. What does it feel like when you see it in the mirror or you look down and you see the logo and you think back to your time? You ever walk into a ray of sunshine like in the winter, like you pass by a window? And all of a sudden, there's just a feeling of warmth. And for a second, you feel it. That's what it is. Do you get people asking you about it? What does that mean? What's that? Uh, yeah, sometimes I put it, it's on my inner arm. So I also was very cognizant of where I put it because I, I wanted it where I could hide it. It's, there's nothing wrong with it, but I wanted it where I could. It's also very personal. 
It's not something I necessarily wanted to display or show off. It's I put that on me for me. I have the 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 hat I wear it all the time, and people will say, "What is that?" And then they're in for it. Oh, let me tell you about this event. So it is. It's the logo does elicit when people see it, they'll ask questions, and I am more than happy to tell about it. And the response is always the same. It's that seems cool, but why would you do that? You just climb the mountain and then you go back down and. Yeah, that's it. You really have to see it to believe it. And obviously I have a very important and I feel very grateful for my role to be able to bring these stories to life, your story and the other stories. And it gives me energy every time I hear them. And I hope it it really helps to articulate what that experience is because not everyone can be at the mountains. I get it probably more than anyone of how does that translate? We've covered quite a lot, Chuck. We've covered the fact that this has translated into you taking on more ultra event adventures. This has translated into you being a better husband, a better father, a better businessman. I want to talk about what your 29 or 29 journey looks like. It, it's not finished by any stretch. You reach 10, but I feel like there's more in you. What do you want to say about your future 29 or 29 journey? My wife and I have signed up for Vermont. We were supposed to go last year and it wasn't able to happen. I, I, I just can't wait. It's like a family. Re, it's like going back to a family reunion. I, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to bring Liz with me because, again, like the event is just something to do for me. That's that gets us there. We're coming off these elections now and everyone's so divided and it's I'm right and you're wrong. and. It drives me nuts how we don't take care of each other enough. And that's a place where you can go and it's this, it's like an alternate reality almost because it takes you a second to understand if you haven't been there before. That these people are just genuinely happy to see me do well. Yeah, They're just genuinely happy to be there with me, but they don't know me. And it takes a while, but then once you've experienced that, and it's like this in most ultra events. It's like once you've experienced it once, you're hooked and you want to go back and you want to suffer together with other people. And you want to have that shared experience and you want to be able to feel the bonds that come with that. You want to be able to do something that you can't talk about it for a week or two afterwards without crying. We don't do that enough in our lives. We don't have, and, and we can't have those experiences every week or they wouldn't be that special. So that's why I'm, that's why I want to go back. I, and it's been a long time since I've hugged someone and just been able to experience that and go high five someone or hug someone and celebrate these things with other people. And so I just, I, I can't wait. To go back there and do that. I, I can't wait to give Matt Burrell a fist bump and a hug and the same for Mark and, and that crew and to just get out there and be in nature to see Chris Hout. He's been my coach for a couple of years now. I spent an hour with the guy. That's it. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see these people again. And I can't wait to have this time where for 36 hours we can go be present with nature with each other. And I can't wait to share this experience with my wife. Like what a bonding experience to be able to share with your life partner too. 
you come out of that different. We did a race this past summer. We did an ultra and the experience in that, like you can't, you don't get that in your day to day. Yeah. And I want to do more of, I want to do more of that. And I want to share in that experience with people that I love. You're amazing, Chuck. This has been an incredible opportunity to hear your story. You articulate it so beautifully. I'm right there with you. I can't wait to see you in Vermont. I'm going to be cheering you on. I'm going to be giving you a push up the hill when you need it. I'm going to be there with a kind word when you need it. And so will everyone else. You bring great energy to this community. You bring great energy to this conversation and to the rest of your life. I'm a big fan of yours, Chuck. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. It's a mutual feeling. And I am as honored and humbled to be a part of this community as with anything else I represent. I mean, this is something that I, it, I take it really seriously and it means a lot to be able to have had this experience and to be able to share that with others. Yeah, I can hear it. I can see it. You're a star. There you have it. Tales from the Mountain, the latest episode of the 29029 podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about 29029 or read more stories from our incredible community of participants, you can head to 29029everesting.com. That's 29029everesting.com. I'm Travis McKenzie, and this is the 29029 Podcast.